You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. All right, everybody, it is Wednesday night, October 5th, 2022. This is the Mindless Wrestling Podcast. I'm going to go down, go around the room here and introduce the cast of characters. I'm going to start off with the Minister of Truth from the Rob the Genius Podcast. Mr. Rob, sir, how's it going tonight? Good to be back. Awesome. Always good having you. Good to see you. And fresh off vacation, Bucky's tag team partner, a man destined to go through a barbershop window, Jason, loving the socks, man. And Jason, who's on mute again. I got it. I got it. I got it. Give me a second, okay? Anyway, I always introduced Rob first. You had like a whole minute to figure out what you were doing there, Bubba. But I was on mute and I was talking to my wife. Uh, And so, anyway, uh, yeah, I was trying to show off my Georgia Tech socks that I got at the uh, national uh, fo- the College Football Hall of Fame down in Atlanta, Georgia. So that was where me and my wife were this weekend, and it was an absolutely fantastic trip. All right, we're going to come back to that in just a moment because we've got somebody here with us tonight in the fourth chair, the Chairshot Radio Network's own, DWI Podcast's own, the phenomenal A.J. Belaz. A.J., Welcome back to the show. You came back for a second helping, which means we didn't give you food poisoning the first time. I mean, you might have. It's been a while. No, I'm kidding. I didn't get food poisoning. <laughs> no, it's great to be back. Like, I, I messaged you right away, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I'm on a little bit of downtime here. I, yeah, mind if yeah. I swing by? And you said, yeah. Absolutely, man. We had a, had a blast with you on here what, about a month or so ago, and, you know, we're always looking to fill the fourth chair, so I'm glad to have you on here, brother. Always awesome, man. All right. Well, let's come back to Jason real quick because Jason just took a little trip from uh, from you know Boston down to Atlanta. Jason, why don't you fill us in a little bit on uh, on your weekend, Bub? Sorry, that I, I meant meant to hold off on the preview, but I was showing off my my Georgia Tech socks and I re- almost fell over backwards. I wanted to let you guys know I wasn't having a, some sort of fit. But anyway, uh, yeah, we went down to Atlanta because we were supposed to go down to Atlanta for day one. Uh, and as I was saying last week, and as everyone probably remembers, new around the new year this year was the last big 
COVID search where everything closed, well, a lot of things closed and regulations were rolled back, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we decided not to go and we got the, the airfare, got, we got it back and whatnot. So this is our make good for the Atlanta trip. So we did all the other stuff that we were going to do aside from go to day one. Um, so we went, where was one day we did four museums at once or in one day. We did the uh, Coca-Cola Museum, uh, excuse me, the World of Coca-Cola, which was absolutely amazing. The Georgia, uh, the Georgia Aquarium, or the Atlanta Aquarium, I believe it's Georgia Aquarium. It was absolutely insane. Um, it had, they have one of those like seven-story tall and like you know billion feet around habitats that just has everything from whales to you know goldfish in it. And they have those tunnels that you can walk underneath it. Um, I literally, I, I'm not usually in public. I don't have usually curse like a sailor or whatnot. But I came out from the dark passageway, looked up, and was like, wow, this is cool, like, quietly. And then all of a sudden, I'm not even kidding you, something that I could only describe as a leviathan came, came slowly drifting over my head like the, the Star Destroyer in the beginning of, of uh, New Hope. And I just looked up and was like, holy shit. And like, you know, a couple old people and some kids around me started giggling. And I was like, I'm sorry, that that terrified me. Um, but yeah, it was an it was an awesome trip. A highlight of which as I got to meet friend of the podcast and have lunch with friend of the podcast, our own Atlanta Dave. So right. we got to meet up. Uh, we got lunch and we uh, and actually it was really cool. Because he tagged along, he and his lovely bride, Katie, tagged along with us to the, no, there was a communal trip, yes. Um, my wife is yelling at me for calling them tag-alongs. So we went to the College Football Hall of Fame, which Dave is the perfect person to go with because I, we were from the Northeast, we don't really care about college football. I like Georgia Tech just because of the big dog. I like Brigham Young in passing because that's where I went and that's where a lot of my family went. But I really don't pay attention and care to college football on a year-by-year basis. Meanwhile, Dave is the exact opposite. He roots for, you know, uh, Alabama, and he roots for Georgia Tech, and, you know, he, he has a couple other favorite teams and stuff like that. So he was, he was kind of our inside man all the way through the, the Hall of Fame, which by itself was amazing, by the way. So, yeah, it, it, Atlanta is an awesome, awesome city. Well, that's cool. Yeah, you posted a lot of pictures, man. Looks like you guys had a good time. That was awesome to see. Um, <clears throat> now, are they doing day one again this year in Atlanta? Do they yeah. have that locked in? Yep, it's locked in for New Year's Day now, I believe. Uh, oh, January. Yeah, I'm not going to make yeah, that it's one. January first. Because they're not doing a. It's a Sunday this time. It was a Saturday last time, obviously. Okay. Because uh, they're they're not going to have a December pay per view this year. Oh, okay. No deals. That's the, that's not the worst thing in the world, honestly. No, it's not. And just just clarifying because it'll be day one and the Royal Rumble beginning and end. Oh yeah, year. right. And I was just like that. That's that's probably going to be a sneaky good move because that's a that's a time period where we're all kind of burnt out before that deep breath before the Rumble and yeah. So then you just plunge right into WrestleMania season. Yeah, exactly. So giving you that deep breath during Christmas is probably a really good idea. All right. So tonight, we've got the show pretty well loaded up. Uh, we're going to talk some extreme rules here in a little bit, as well as, and, you know, I'm, I'm representing 
Motorhead Triple H merch tonight. We're going to do a, uh, we're now two months into the Triple H regime here in the WWE, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of report card. Everybody can kind of chime in on their thoughts as to where they think creative's going. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Do you see improvements? Or, you know, has does it kind of feel like business has just kind of kept moving along since Vince McMahon retired? Uh, we're going to start off tonight talking about some comments that Seth Rollins made, and I'm going to let Rob take the wheel here a little bit. And um, Rob, go ahead and get us into this segment here, Paul. Okay, so first let me... All right. Sorry, I caught him completely off guard. I thought he had that pulled right up. Not really, I'm sorry. I, got, I was getting lost in uh, Jason's vacation story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's easy to do, man. I like hearing about people's trips. You know, I went on one a couple weeks ago, and Jason's had this one coming, so... Oh, here we go. All right. All right. Take over, Rob. It's all yours. Okay, this is from, from one uh, Seth Rollins. This is all right. Th- this is the quote. Uh, wins and losses don't matter. To a point, they do, but not nearly as much. It's pro wrestling. The stories. That's what matters. Making people feel something. Now, there were some people, of course, only listened to the first part of the whole sentence. You know, wins and losses don't matter because, you know, and, you know, there were some quotes and some replies saying, well, of course you would say that now because you've been losing so much. And then, you know, then there's the obligatory incident brainwashed you, Stockholm Syndrome. Um, you know, um, and, okay, here's the thing. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, where I would disagree with him, or at least with what he said, and now, and he, and if, you, and if you sat down and talked to him at length, he would probably, yeah, and he got to elaborate on it more. He would, and he would say more than that, of course. Um, but sometimes there, there are points in the story where it absolutely matters who wins the match, right? And. There are also there is you know and then look if you, if you lose too many matches on you know like on television for example that matters right I mean now if you lose if you're on a house show loop and you're and you're having the same match you know 20 different cities and the same person wins each time no that's not a big deal because it, it's just not the same thing the people in the building saw you lose right but but that's it but if you're out there losing, you know, every week on television, then then yeah, that, that is going to affect how people see you. Right? Um, but I think it, it depends, right? There, there's certain times, like for example, um, you know, if, if Bianca had lost to WrestleMania this year, right? Then you know, then she'd have been cooked. You know, I mean, well, uh, that and the optics on that would have looked really piss poor on WWE's part, right? But and but something like that, yes, there was there that was an instance where there was one person who absolutely had to win that match, and if that person had not won that match, it would have been bad, right? And but frankly, she was in that situation again at SummerSlam, right? With her, if if it had happened at SummerSlam, then it would have looked like they were backtracking on her, exactly. Right? So. I mean, there are certain yes, there are certain situations where it absolutely matters. But if we're talking about if you're having a three month feud with somebody and you got a couple of matches on TV, 
you know, that are supposed to move the story along, then no. Right? It's not it's not the end of the world, you know, whoever loses those kind of circumstances. And you know, and then of course we but you know, we got people that we see on Twitter get upset every time, you know, somebody, you know, the wrong person somebody loses. Like for example, this past Monday, Candace LeRae lost to Dakota Kai. And one of these sheet writer people was like, they're they're beating Candace already. It's like, dude, um, there was like it, there was outside interference the whole match from Bailey and from EO and Dakota cheated to win. And Dakota's also a sitting champion. And she's and they're heels. Heels Correct. That's Heel champion. I mean because of course now if Candace had beaten her, we would have heard just the opposite. Well why why are your champions getting beat on television? Right. right. Which we so Rob this this is how I look at it. Wins and losses matter, but your win loss record does not matter. Because I look at it like this: if you if you just tell me that you know Seth Rollins is eleven and three, and I go, oh damn, he's a pretty darn good wrestler. But then I remember that he spent the last three months getting his brains beat in by Cody Rhodes. Well, wait wait a second. These are telling two totally different stories. So that's why, and that's how I feel like the fact that w, uh, AEW does display wins and losses like that, it's like you're muddying the, war- the waters and you're not getting your story across. Um, obviously, there, it works for certain people. When certain people are, you know, 140 and 2, then they, yes, the general idea that they're, they win a lot. Okay. But that's really it. You know, and you can, and those people, for at least for the folks that watch week to week, or even a couple of weeks, you know, they still get the general idea of that character just seeing what you do with them on TV. Right. So, AJ, let's get your thoughts on this, because I'm going to approach it a little differently. I'm going to look at it from a worker perspective. But, AJ, give me your thoughts. I I completely agree with the whole aspect of win-losses don't matter if there's a story to it uh we're actually going to use seth rollins as an example he's had two opportunities for either the universal or the wwe championship pretty sure the universal against roman reigns and he's been on like this two-year moment of he can't win at a pay-per-view it was like always brought up as a record that he had or like two years since he had a championship or something like that tells a story it also tells the story of rollins is usually the one who one-ups roman and now roman beat him twice already and all that so it works to a story winning and losing yeah that matters because if you have someone like like, uh, i'll use aj styles currently right now what prominent thing has aj styles done if he randomly gets a universal championship match what has he done Unless he wins like a number one contenders match, then wins and losses matter because he won a number one contenders match out of nowhere, out of the blue. Maybe he dominated the match, but that that's just the thing where it, it works and it doesn't work when you say, oh, well, this person is 12 and two. Well, the two losses came at the beginning of the year. The overall is like he's 0 and 30 and now he's on a winning streak. 
that that's why I don't really like the AEW system of wins and losses, and I know that they nitpicked wins and losses because of AEW, but well, there are times where that works and times where it doesn't. But there all. are times where they completely ignore it. Like recently, who was it that had the uh, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship title shot against John Moxley? When yeah. you've got all these other people who are on TV on a regular basis and have these incredible win loss records, but this guy comes out of the blue because he won a match. Yeah, and I, I think even I said that I might have said that on DWI at one point. But where Mox, when CM Punk either won the championship or lost the champ, I think it was like when he lost the championship in like the five minute squash match, quote unquote. I just kind of looked and I'm like, well, you got this person who has a higher win rate than CM Punk. Now you got this person who has a higher win rate. Why does he get a rematch? Just saying. Not even Jericho got his instant rematch there. Right. Well, and that goes, let's let's talk about CM Punk and when he initially beat John Cena. What made that so important is because it was during a period of time when nobody was beating John Cena. John Cena was whipping everybody's ass. It was almost to the point where people were, part of the reason they were turning on Cena is because he wasn't losing enough. But then that's what made CM Punk's first victory so important was, okay, he got John Cena, but then he got him again. And that was in a time period where nobody got Cena twice. You know, if you got him, he came back and got you on the rematch. That was the that was the formula that they had going on back in the day. So, you know, at that point, <clears throat> the wins matter and the losses matter. But to Rob's point and, and to a lesser degree, everybody else's, if you're trying to, and this is where WWE has historically irritated me and it got a little predict, predictable with certain things. You have a big match with two guys. We'll just pick, uh, we'll pick Ricochet and we'll say Bobby Lashley. Okay. Ricochet, this is a random fan-made match. Ricochet is going to wrestle Bobby Lashley for the U.S. championship. What has Ricochet done in the last year and a half? Like he had the Intercontinental Championship, but he was more—he felt more like a placeholder, you know. Other than that, you know, I've watched him lose repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. Am I supposed to, as a casual fan, believe that Ricochet is a legitimate threat to Bobby Lashley when this dude can't beat Umberto, he can't beat Baron Corbin, he can't beat—I mean, but so I'm supposed to believe. And this is where the suspension of disbelief, if I'm looking at it from just a casual fan perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and, um, yeah, right <clears throat> go ahead, Rob. Oh, for example, like um, this year, all right, so Dewdrop has gotten beaten like a drum. Okay. Uh, going back to December, like she had a couple matches with Bianca. Bianca beat her. Then she had a title match. And, be- and because she had been beaten, like she had a title match with Becky at the Royal Rumble, which nobody believes she had even a. a no chance of winning, right? Uh, because it was, I mean, you know, I mean, she had already lost to Bianca a couple of times. Everybody knew that there was, she had no chance of winning that. So, of course, she lost that. And since then, she's gotten beaten like a drum. So now it's to the point where well, she, I don't think she's even wrestled more than like one or two matches on TV in the past few months because, you know, if you see her and you see somebody on the other side, based on the way it's, been right, you know, this year, there's no reason to believe that, that she has any chance of winning that match. And so that's an example where getting beat too much will absolutely kill your credibility. And not and and she's lost these matches like on television and 
pay-per-view. So it's not like, again, it's not like, you know, 2,000 people at the house show see you, right? It, I mean, this is, she's gotten beaten in front of the whole world multiple times, clean as a whistle. And so that's an example. Yes. Does that matter? Yes, it absolutely does matter because now you have to try and just to, to sell her as any type of credible threat to anybody who's in, you know, to want any status on the roster is, I mean, that's a real you know, tough haul there. Um, yeah. I, I look at Seth's comments and I look at it from a working perspective. Um, back when I was in the business, I was, you know, young and green. There was a guy that I, I sat, it was a learning tree. I got to sit under his name was Dave, uh, Blackheart Dave Johnson. And if you go back and look at the tag team, the Blackhearts, they were, they never made it like real, real big, but they were super tough, super stiff. And I, I didn't learn a lot like wrestling stuff from Dave because he was quite advanced. So I didn't get to mix it up with him very much. I learned a lot of perspective from Dave. And I think this perspective is often missing with the workers and definitely missing with the fans. We were sitting there at the, at the school one day and we were just, he was talking about his career. He was talking about Japan and the time he worked in WCW and the time he worked Stan Hansen, he was telling some stories. And I kind of looked at him and like, mind you, I've been in this like three, four months, you know, I'm an idiot. I'm like, so Dave, how many matches have you actually won? Because he, he was the job guy for WCW. Um, he went over to Japan strictly to get his ass beat by Stan Hansen. So, you know, it's. It, I was like, Dave, how many matches do you win? And he looked at me without missing a beat. He said, all of them. Because I got paid. And that put the whole business together for me. I'm like, holy shit. This is what you're supposed to care about is your bank account and whether or not you put on a good show for the fans. And... I- it, I think uh, I I watched like a Kevin Nash interview, but like someone was like shooting on him, and Nash literally just goes, "All right, there were two things that I learned from, uh, I think it was Cat and Lou Albano, and it's the money and the miles, and those are the only thing that matters, and that's exactly what Captain Lou told them." And that's that that mentality is those guys are gone. And that mentality, there's not enough guys sitting under the tree of a Lou Albano, of a Dave Johnson, you know, guys like that, guys who who never, I mean, obviously Lou Albano made it a hell of a lot farther in the business than Dave Johnson ever did. But these guys who had that old school perspective, like, hey, I did a match, I did a job, I got paid for it, and I put on a good show. And at the end of the day, that's what should be important to the workers. I mean, yeah, everybody gets into the business with the, you know, the, the fantasy of, man, I'm going to be the next the next Hulk Hogan, the next Rock, the next Stone Cold, the next Ric Flair. But if you can accept that a fraction of a percent of the people in the wrestling business are ever going to breathe that air um, and you accept your place in the business, it gets a whole hell of a lot easier to go out there and do your job and accept it. Yeah, now I will say I think there are times where you absolutely do need to, if if you're in a certain position, there are times where you absolutely do need to pull the old not going to work for you. Yeah. Um, I, I've been in that production meeting. I'll tell you guys that story in a minute. Okay. Because, <laughs> um, <clears throat> like, I think, you know, Jack Swagger said that um, Cena pulled that on him. And it was funny because he uh, it got out on Twitter and pretty much everybody agreed with Cena. That he <laughs> that he did the right thing to not yeah. do to not do the job. Right um, at that time period, John Cena, no way, should not be losing to J- to Jack Swagger. 
Uh, even in this time period, to, yeah, well, it's Wednesday night. If John Cena were to show up on Dynamite, there's no reason for in hell for him to lose to Jack Swagger. I was trying to be a little polite to Mr. Swagger, but I'm not. Look, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, the dude would shoot on, the would shoot on okay. me, and pop, pop my head right off my shoulders as a shoot. You know, I believe that, but I, I'm, I'm still not going to go easy on the guy. Fair. I mean, so, Hager's not bad, but no, if if that actually did happen today, put put Cena over. That's what you yeah. have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Name still like right here. Eh. I, I never got the Jack. Jack Swagger was a fine athlete. I just never. It was he was never my thing. He was yeah, just he, Kurt Angle 2.0. It was gr- great value, Kurt Angle. Yeah, he was he was Kurt Angle minus all the stuff that made Kurt Angle Kurt Angle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But no, it's and again talking about wins and losses. I will tell you a little story. I was um, I was doing a managing gimmick in in Fort Pierce, and I was managing these guys, the Exterminators. It was a guy that trained me, uh, Cliff, and then this guy Casey, and they were at least for our little territory, they were the Florida Tag Team Champions, and they were wrestling. Uh, God, it was Dirty Dennis and Classy Chris Nelson. They were a tag team, and <clears throat> they were doing think casket match with refrigerators. Okay, this was it was like a no holds barred match with refrigerators replacing the caskets. Let me lay that out there. Please tell me you called it a morgue match or a mortuary match or something. No, they called it a refrigerator match and they had a local. There was actually a local company that was one of the sponsors. Uh, It was a Jensen appliances or something like that. (laughs) They supplied a couple of old used refrigerators for these guys to bury each other in on the show and that was that was the stipulation of the match and you know i'm pretty much out there as eye candy and there's another manager and he and i are kind of supposed to you know jaw back and forth and eventually get hands on each other and so we're 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 putting the match together and we're talking you know backstage and everything and the the exterminators were supposed to go over that night and you know chris nelson piped up he said look brother he's like you guys have been whipping our ass all over florida he's like you got to let us have one here or it's just not going to be entertaining to the fans and it made perfect sense because he wasn't wrong because the month before the exterminators wrestled Classy Chris and Dirty Dennis and they lost. And, you know, when they did the loop everywhere they went, they lost. And, you know, people got tired of seeing that. So, yeah, and that's one of those times where let's pull the swerve. You know, people are expecting the exterminators to win. Let's give, you know, let's let's do the let's do the, the swerve here. And, you know, I've been in on that creative meeting. And that kind of leads me to my favorite one of my favorite road warrior stories um or actually uh, stanley the fabulous ones told us um the fabulous ones were supposed to go over that night but they were but they were in the road warriors like real hometown in front of oh. all their friends and family and all that and he said they get mm-hmm. the ring they get do the introductions and all and he said hawk walks up to him and he's like we're not doing the finish <laughs> 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 and and they and he's like, well, we just looked, we were, we were confused. We we're like, what do you mean you're not doing the finish? And he's like, he just looked at us. He said, just do what we tell you, and nobody gets our. <laughs> That's the best. I pop. You probably told that story a dozen times oh, on the yeah, show, yeah. and I pop for it every time because oh, it's amazing. That's still a great story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh god. So yeah, it's it's just one of those things where. From a certain perspective, wins and losses matter. But can I look at Seth Rollins' career? Yes, Seth Rollins has had his ass handed to him the better part of 2022. He's gotten the better of of Riddle so far, but the day is coming, and he's probably going to end up having a you know look up at the lights at some point. 
I can't look at Seth Rollins' career and say it sucks. I can't say that those losses hurt him in any way, shape, or form. He's still a credible threat to any champion on any roster in the company. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those things. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to deny I'm not the biggest Seth Rollins fan because I used to watch him back when he was Tyler Black in Ring of Honor, and I, I never really saw that much special things out of him, but still in WWE, he's a universal champion. I'm pretty sure he is a Grand Slam champion in WWE. He has the backing of Triple H, basically, and everything else. So, Yeah. I mean, the guy's got you know, probably full creative freedom. He's writing his own ticket. He's, he's you know travels with his wife and kid. It's Seth Rollins is living the life and working the dream. Teflon. Yeah, absolutely. He, he really is. Without being the top guy, he's one of the guys. So... All right, so why don't we get into Extreme Rules here a little bit. Uh, Extreme Rules is coming up this Saturday. This will be the second official Triple H-themed premium live event. Premium live event. Let me get that out there. Uh, Jason, (laughs) premium live event, pal. We don't say pay-per-view. That's on the list of forbidden words with hospital and um, what else is on the forbidden words list? Yeah, well. We, the Forbidden Words list is uh, getting cut up. Cause yeah, it's, 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 it's getting chopped. Yep, it's, it's getting chopped up. We're allowed to say titles and belts and, you know. And wrestler. Hospital, wrestlers, wrestling ring. It's, 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 it's great. This is a great. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Jason, why don't you take over and go down the Extreme Rules card, Bubba? All right. The Extreme Rules card is uh, pretty tight. We just got six matches uh, so the, I'm just going with the uh, random order that I've got here. I do not promise this is the order they're going to do on sa- Saturday. Um, but starting off, I've got Liv Morgan, the SmackDown Women's Champion, in an Extreme Rules match with her title on the line against Ronda Rousey. So this is going to be an interesting one because wouldn't this be three in a row for, for Liv? If yeah. she beats Ronda Rousey, that'll be three. Yeah. Oof. I like the fact that it's an extreme rules match because if you, if you told me this story in a straight up fight, I'd be like, all right, well, I've, you're stretching my believability here. But I don't know. You could get out of this in an extreme rules thing um, yeah. I, and make it believable for Liv. So I actually think they're gonna they're gonna keep on trucking with Liv. Uh, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe I see why obviously they put it on Ronda going into the fall, but I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping for a miracle. The miracle kid. One more time. Let's go live. Okay. AJ, what are your thoughts here, Bubba? Uh, I, I do like the fact that they actually put a stipulation to this. Much like you said, Jason, it makes a little more credibility that Liv could win this. Um, and as much as I like to root for the Jersey girl, everyone knows this. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Summer, or not SummerSlam, Survivor Series is right around the corner, and usually they do the Raw versus the SmackDown stuff. Liv versus Bianca does sound good, but I'm pretty sure if you want to either make Ronda look better as a SmackDown champion, she can face Bianca, or Bianca looking like the dominant champion can face and win Ronda. So I think Ronda actually has this. I could be wrong, but uh, I'm going to go with Ronda. Okay. Mr. Rob. Okay, well, they didn't do live any favors Friday because she came at Ronda with a bat and Ronda still got the better of her. <laughs> that was a great visual, though, when Liv took the bump of the bat, like bounced and flew into the ring and shit. And then, yeah. the, and then when she swung at Ronda, Ronda grabbed the bat and flung her over the barricade. That didn't favor us. Um, um, I don't know. Still, I mean, still got SmackDown to go. Um, Usually the go home does show a little more favor to someone at least. Yeah, right. I think uh, I'm going to get to that in a minute when Rob finishes up his thoughts because I've got a couple things to say about that. All right, here's the thing. All right, do we know? Do we know that they could book the match for Liv Morgan to win? Yes. Is it is it at all believable her beating Ronda Rousey? Hell no. Not in a regular match. Not not in an Extreme Rules match. Ronda should kill her dead in five minutes. Um, and if she beats Ronda without any type of interference or shenanigans or anything, then, you know, you can send Ronda home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What's the point? That <laughs> might be Ronda's plan anyway. Um, no, I mean, we're in the yeah, slower I mean, part of the year. Um, the, oh the, yeah. Maybe the, she came back to get her, get her, you know, feet wet again and then send her home till the rumble. Um, don't know. I mean. The thing when you, do, when you do the underdog thing, well, they're the underdog for a reason. They're the underdog because they usually lose, right? Um, like they're not underdog because it's a cute little story. They're the underdog because they get beat most of the time. Um, so when they actually do win the championship, if you prolonging them holding the title, it it just, I mean, it it it, it gets not good very fast. Yeah. Um, this has not been great. They've been, I mean, they've had her, they've had to just basically dance around and dance around and dance around and not, and to basically get to this moment. And 
I mean, we're, we're, we're really stretching it here, having her beat Ronda Rousey in an Extreme Rules match. Um, now, it could happen. And then, if it does, then again, what are we doing? I mean, I mean, because now, I mean, if that happens, and again, if there's no interference of any kind, she just beats Ronda in the Extreme Rules match, and we're supposed to care about Ronda and Becky at WrestleMania? Really? Yeah. I mean, really? All right. Um, as far as who I'm picking? Um... I don't know uh, because I mean, there, I mean, I could, you know, it could, it could unfold a couple of ways. Um, I mean, I think you know, Ronda, they could just play straight. Ronda kills her dead. Um, that's a possibility. Um, there's a possibility of a certain someone coming back and getting involved. Um, you know, and causing Liv to win. On, but. That if that happens, that kind of goes against Liv's character because she's a babyface. So yeah, you know, I mean, what do you do there, right? Um, well, so I'm, well, I'm, I got to pick somebody, so I'm gonna pick Ronda. Okay, all right, <clears throat> I'm gonna go against a little bit of type here. I know we've been rather critical, not only on this podcast, but as well as you know, I spent some time chopping it up with the boys on DWI, uh, and, and we all had a lot to say about the the Jersey Girl. I'm going. I'm, I'm going Jersey on Saturday. I because I want to see something special from Liv Morgan. Um, I liked what they did with her and Lacey Evans. She got a little bit more aggressive. I liked seeing Liv bring that out of herself. And I think the Extreme Rules may just give her the canvas to go out there and paint the type of story that I think Liv Morgan wants to paint. Um, and, and I'm here for that. Um, she sold me on the underdog. I'm here for the ride. That being said sometimes the setback or the the comeback is bigger than the setback. So if she loses on Saturday, the comeback story will be interesting to watch. But Saturday night, I'm going with the Jersey Girl. Did did, did Tunney influence you that much to be that much of a swerve? I, you know what? I, I don't know if Tony and I got heat. He hasn't reached out to me in a while, but it's possible. I did, did, got on there, got to drinking with him, and he's got like that Jedi mind. She's like, you will root for Liv Morgan. You will swerve. So um, next up on the card, we have Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins in a fight pit match um, with a guest referee from, you know, you know, former UFC lightweight heavy lightweight and heavy uh, excuse me, light heavyweight and heavyweight champion, uh, Daniel Cormier, right? Daniel Cormier, thank you. Um, obviously, I'm not a UFC guy, but uh, so yeah, he's going to be the special guest referee in a fight pit match. Which, if no one's seen that, it's basically a cage with pit built into it um it's absolutely incredible and it kind of gives a cage it... scaffold match yeah if yeah. if you didn't watch it in nxt this was like timothy thatcher versus riddle i believe with kurt angle as the referee yeah yes. and for the old school fans the best way to explain this is just a bigger lion's den match pretty much yeah exactly so i i mean i think this is set up for riddle to win you know, the MMA environment, the MMA referee, you know, 
I feel like DC will probably call it down the middle with, and he'll, you know, side with the baby face. So, uh, yeah, I look for Riddle to get this one. Uh, Rob, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I think Riddle gets this one and then, you know, then, then they do the rubber match at the, The next up will be Survivor Series, won't it? Uh, yeah. Crown Jewels, November 5th. Oh. You're saying they do the rubber match at Crown Jewel. Okay. Okay. Now, I keep, I keep forgetting that the, uh, yeah, the Crown Jewel's in the middle of all that. Yeah. Yep. Me too. All right. So, DJ, what do you got here? I, I can't see Riddle going 0-2 in this match, man. And Seth yeah. is my boy. And, and I know we just had a long discussion about wins and losses with Mr. Rollins. I, I think this Saturday just adds to that list of bills for him. All right. And the phenomenal one, what do you think, sir? I, I'm on board with everyone else. This is Riddle. This is the rubber match. We're going to get another match either in – probably in Saudi Arabia because usually Survivor Series is Raw versus SmackDown. So. Well, that's a question. I read something about that about a week or so ago that they said it wasn't going to be brand warfare at Survivor Series this year. Was that just the IWC talking smack or well, is that a real thing? They're doing the War Games thing. Well, they're doing, they're the doing war, war games, games yeah. yeah. War games, so, so. yeah. That, so, so yeah, I don't, I don't think there's only, necessarily brand warfare this year. But that's only two matches, though. So we're uh, yeah. going to do it the rest of the card. Okay. All right. All right. So pretty much we're all in agreement there for Mr. Riddle. But next up, we've got Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross in a strap match. Um, I don't know. Wins and losses matter, so I feel like Carrion. I don't know. Carrion could withstand a, a loss because Drew kind of needs a win at this point. Um, if we're going to continue to believe he's the, you know, babyface main character superhero, so uh, unless this, you know, this is just a, the end. Of, unless this is going into a greater feud, which it very well could, I look for Drew to win this one. Uh, AJ, let's start with you. What do you think here? Yeah, I'm going to go... Cross just came back like a month ago, right before Clash of the Castle. I think he needs this win to just kind of show that, you know, he's still that dominating factor that he used to be in NXT. And I'm saying NXT, not not Gladiator Helmet Raw. But I, I think Cross has to win this one. I think McIntyre's starting to go on the losing end and putting the newer people over that came in. And this would be a great way to do it. I also just realized something. We could talk about this maybe later on, but every single match on here has like a weird stipulation. <laughs> They're yeah, all unique stipulations that I just noticed. <laughs> yeah, it's extreme rules. That's the, that's, that's kind of the idea, isn't it? Yeah, because unlike last year, where like the main event was the only extreme rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, I'm not complaining about that. I'm just like, wait a minute. I just wait. We just talked about a fight pit. An extreme rules match, a strap match, and the other three all have different things. Yeah. It should be yeah. a fun watch. It should be. Uh, this is I'm looking forward to this one, man. It's gonna be awesome. Uh all right, who didn't I get with this with AJ's Dan? the only one you went to. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. So what do you think, DJ? Um, I, I feel like this is a match carrying cross has to win. He's still, you know, yes, they've Changed him up a little bit. They brought him back to more what he was in NXT as a presentation. But I think for most fans who remember who he was, they're still trying to shake off that stink of uh, of the simp gimmick in Raw, on Raw. 
this guy needs something that legitimizes him as a legitimate threat, I think that happens Saturday night. He's got to win this one. And and then this strap, and strap match is a good idea because it's one of those matches, I think back to the Savio Vega, Stone Cold Steve Austin matches, those matches made people pay attention. Like, I was a Steve Austin fan, like in WCW, his matches. If you haven't watched them, his matches with, um, I just felt right, uh, Ricky Steamboat are legend. And that's when I became a Stone Cold fan. But for WWE fans and a broader audience, those strap matches really made Steve Austin. And I feel like this is a make or break for um, for Karrion Cross. All right. Fair enough. Rob? Uh, I think, again, I th- well, I think Cross has to win this. And because, look, everybody either they didn't, either you haven't seen him before now. If you don't watch NXT, right? If you haven't seen him before now, or you saw him with the with the gimp get up on <laughs> on Raw last year. So either you don't know who he is, or you, you the last time you saw him he was a loser. Um, so this is gonna he, he's got to win this one, um, I think. And look, Scarlett's right there to cheat for him. And all mm-hmm. she all she has to do is look. All she has to do is hit the fireball this time, and not, <laughs> and not throw it. You know. You know, ten feet up in the air, right? I mean, um, she's sitting in the corner like, "Damn it, I saw Hulk Hogan do this one time." Like <laughs> Gilbert was rolling over in his grave. <laughs> okay, <laughs> with the sight of that, but Terrible. yeah, I think, and again, it's a strap match. He, Cross has somebody right there to cheat for him. Um, he wins this here, and then again, I think this is another one you take it to Crown Jewel there. You know, if I think if if you have, particularly because I mean if Cross loses here, then then I mean Drew doesn't cheat. So if he loses, that'll just mean Drew beat him, you know, straight out. And I mean you can't have him go out like that in his first big. What'd you bring him back for? Yeah, I I don't disagree with any of you. I just think would I would rather see him win the feud. Um, and I just know that that's not going to, you know, do Drew any favors. So if he is going to win the feud, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd rather it go quickly, and I can't see Drew not winning one. Um, so yeah. I guess it'll depend on how long of a program they have these two slotted out for. Exactly. If it's a, if so, it's a trifecta, a trilogy of matches, then, yeah, right. I could see something happen where – you know, at cross loses, but then gets it all, you know, on the back end of it. But if this is a one and done or even a a, a two match and we wrap it up in, in Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, then, you know, I see cross pulling this one out. Yeah, see, I see it the opposite way. I'm like, OK, if we're going to if we're going to do a do just two matches, then Drew wins here and cross wins in Saudi Arabia where they will boo the heel. OK, OK. So, we have a news break here. A news break? Was Moxley bleeding? No. Oh. Okay. Andrade and Sammy Guevara were involved in an altercation backstage. Both men were sent home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm betting my money that Sammy probably got knocked on his ass. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Andrade, it- Andrade don't look like he can't fight. Right. No, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's a that's a perfect way to put it, DJ. He doesn't look like he can't. <laughs> yeah. It's a, Not it's a guy kind of, of challenge. 
to, to kind of put light to this, uh, apparently there was a little Twitter beef between the two of them where Andrade said something on a on a podcast or in an interview where it was just like, there's only one person that I don't really like wrestling, and it's because of him. And he went up to someone and said, hey, you hit me too hard and all that. And Andrade's like, Dude, I wrestled with Cena and a bunch of other people. If they hit me hard, they get hit hard too. Like it's that's just how we're gonna do it, and that's how it is. And and apparently Sammy got on Twitter and said some stuff. Andrade retaliated, and I I think I think uh, I I think Sammy might have left that arena wherever they're at right now at Dynamite Black and Blue. Oh well, yeah. they're, actually they're in DC. They're not far from me. Uh-huh. Oh, I think Ricky that. Starks, Ricky Starks, uh, subtweeted something about that whole thing. <laughs> he yeah, did. Like, can, I, can, I, can everybody please shut up? <laughs> can my coworkers please shut up? I'm trying to think. Yeah, because yeah, um, gotta love pretty Ricky. Yeah, because um, yeah, that because Andrade, he was doing like an interview and basically, I mean, he does he doesn't say shit on purpose to stir <laughs> stuff up, but he just speaks plainly, right? And he doesn't, so he like he doesn't mince words you know to be you know whatever he just speaks very plainly about stuff and he was like yeah um sammy complained about me hitting him too hard <laughs> and you know and and he said look you know if i hit you hard just hit me back it's fine right I mean, no big deal and sammy didn't like that because i guess you know well the, the implication is that sammy is a bitch basically and he didn't take too kindly to that I mean, this is, after, this is about a month after Eddie Kingston, you know, tuned him up. <laughs> eh, like th- this is also Andrade is like in his forties or late thirties, one of the two. I can't remember off the top of my head. And Sammy is my age, and he's still getting his feet wet and everything. So I, I probably wouldn't piss off someone who maybe has at least ten more years of experience, if not more in any business just saying well you also got to wonder if sammy g is one of those guys that cm punk was talking about at the press conference you know at the little junket he's sitting here talking about you know i'm surrounded by fucking kids and nobody wants to listen to the veterans my head is telling me that sammy is one of those guys he's talking about probably (laughs) probably i mean i'm more than likely yes (laughs) I mean, he, he. I'm only gonna say maybe not due to the fact that he was like handpicked by Chris Jericho to be in his group, but that doesn't mean shit. Yeah, that really doesn't mean anything. Well, because I think like Jericho is basically the kind of protector. I think as far as staying employed there, I think uh, Jericho is in the Jericho business. Jericho is not in the AEW business. But let's let's be very clear True. about that. True. And if we were on DWI, that would be a bell ringing moment. <laughs> Stop and show some respect for your show some respect for your Ring of Honor World Champion, okay? <laughs> the, the Ocho. Oh, Let's bring it back in. Okay, yeah, yeah. The All Grand right. Wizard. Okay, bring us back, please. We're bringing it back. All right. After the AEW gossip corner, so rudely interrupted us. Um, we have next match on the card, because uh, I think we all beat that match quite to death. Uh, we have a ladder match for the WWE Raw Women's Championship. Uh, we have the champion, the, the, uh, yeah, excuse me, 
We have the champion, Bianca Belair, defending against Bailey. Uh, Bailey will be, of course, be defended, uh, excuse me, accompanied by Dakota Kai and Io Sky, while Bianca will be accompanied by Alexa Bliss and Asuka, uh, just to make sure there are no, you know, shenanigans, which I'm sure will encourage shenanigans. So, that's, this match is probably going to be incredibly violent, and I'm excited, because uh, I don't think anybody in here is afraid to take a bump. Um, and yeah, I've seen them all do some pretty ridiculous stuff. So it's going to be hard hitting. And, uh, I think, I don't know. I know this one's really controversial, but I don't know. I could say, I could see either way, either. I could see this go either way. I think Bianca could easily win this and, then that creates some sort of new story with Bailey, where she's either still going for the championship or she goes crazy because she's not not a champion. Um, and I could see Bailey winning because she's just the new big bad on Raw, um, and she's going to be the new Goro, the new you know Shang Tsung, the new top of the mountain that Bianca Belair will eventually overcome, uh, be it at the Royal Rumble or whatever. So. And you could you could put together some interesting matches between all all of these people plus the SmackDown girls, excuse me, on uh, at Survivor Series. So there's all sorts of ways you go there. Um, if I had to bet, I'd say Bianca wins this match, but Bailey eventually gets the championship from her down the road. Um, so I'd say Bianca is going to win this one. Um, so. Uh, DJ, what do you got here? Um, <clears throat> I can't disagree with your logic. I, man, this one's a tough call because you know anybody listen to this podcast for any length of time knows how we feel about Bianca Belair. We we don't even need to to, to hammer that point home. We are one thousand percent on board with that young lady. But we need a big bad in the women's division, and that big bad is Bailey. Like she's. A, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you'd have told me Bailey would be one of my favorite heels ever, I, I would have just like, what are you talking about? Bailey's not a heel. Baby's like the perennial baby face. She absolutely kills it as a heel. And I think you can end up with like a like an, an Avengers um Infinity War endgame type situation where in the first in the first movie, the heroes have got to lose. You know, the heroes can lose one. And, and Bianca can come back and then just let Bailey dominate. Let her be the asshole that she can be. Let her go out there and fuck with Michael Cole, um, which is always entertaining, always a good time. Um, and just let her be that annoying pain in the ass and let it ride until Royal Rumble. You know, let it ride till either day one or the Royal Rumble. Let her ride for a few months on that and have Bianca come back and conquer that ass. And then Bianca rides into WrestleMania still the champ. All right. AJ, what do you got here? Uh, <clears throat> I feel like what, what DJ said was right. We need the big bad. What better way than Bailey? We're going to have Survivor Series Extreme Rules, War Games, all that fun jazz. Because there's no way they're going to do anything in Saudi Arabia with the women. Not saying that as, you know, a sexist person or not. They don't really, you know, their ideals and everything. We might have a women's match, but... 
at war games i i see bailey all of damage control with all the gold and have like a buddy that they bring up or maybe a common enemy of someone who knows but i i see that going into survivor series or something day one getting the better of it royal rumble something new happens i'm not sure how that will play out but i think we need bailey eo and dakota kai on top and just kind of flip off every single person on not only the raw side but the women's roster in general all right rob your thoughts okay um so i'm gonna go against the grain here because we have they have a couple of other opportunities for bailey to beat title so they i mean Because they, they did have, they've had, they've had a couple of women. They could do it. Um, this thing is still going. They could, they won, and then Bianca wins it back at the world. So I think you you got some other opportunities, and because, like for me, okay, Bianca. Like we can't keep doing the thing where she's she wins the title, she's humming along for a while, and then as soon as she runs into a big obstacle, she loses, and now she has to get it back. You know, uh, we did that last year, right? Um, you know, and to do it again so soon, um, and it just becomes a repetitive story. Then, 2023, we're going to do. Death Horse Woman also, same thing. Maybe. Because at some point, they're going to do the thing together, and are we going to do the same story? Um, I think Bailey does beat her eventually. Maybe Saudi Arabia, maybe at day one. Um, I think here... I, I think here, Bianca pulls it out, because it's a ladder match, and so she doesn't... She's not going to pin Bailey. And now... Uh, they're also, you know, it's supposedly three against three here, but we got a couple of people that Damon's control control is pissed off or has beaten up, you know. So there's Shotzi who could get involved uh, because you know they've beaten her up, they've beaten up Raquel, they, you know, they cheated to beat Candice, you know, Monday. So there are extra people who could get involved here and kind of tip things. So I think that is going to happen some kind of way, and I think Bianca's going to pull this one out. And Io Shirai is definitely going to do something crazy jumping off a ladder. Yeah, um, that's that's I mean, for sure. I, I thought I thought that was guaranteed. Oh yeah, yeah. That's guaranteed. Too. That, that's written in the contract. <laughs> you have to fly off of one thing because your last name is Sky. Yeah. And, um, one thing this is gonna well, one thing I am looking forward to is the fact that all right, because I mean Bianca does jump off the top rope with a couple of things, but neither her nor Bailey are like, you know, stunt show clowns. So they're actually gonna have to, you know, work a little bit here and not just, you know, how many times can we jump off the ladder? How many times can we get pushed off the ladder? Right? <laughs> you know, I mean No, I absolutely think the ladder becomes more of a weapon. 
yeah. in the, yeah. in this match than than some of your other ladder matches. I agree with you there, Rob. Yeah, I think I mean this this is going to be more like Sean and Razor the first time. Right. And where they where they had a fight and then you know and they were fighting over the ladder and the ladder got used in the fight. Yeah. Whereas, I mean nowadays a lot of these ladder matches, TLC matches, etc., they're just I mean they even and even the Hell in a Cell matches even they devolve very quickly into a stunt show, and you know and move away from being any type of actual fight. So I think here uh, we're going we're going to have something more like you know, an actual fight that involves a ladder and they're going to work. It's not, and so it's not, you know, and I've gotten in my old age, I've gotten to the point where I prefer that kind of stuff. And you know, when, when these things turns into stunt shows, I kind of tune out. And not that you shouldn't okay. do any spots at all, but there's, there's such thing as too much. And then there's such thing as, you know, doing spots for the sake of doing spots and not actually having a fight. Right. I, so, I, yeah. I, I'm probably the youngest out of everyone on any podcast, and even I agree with that sentence. Like, you don't have to go full Mick Foley every single hell in a cell. It kind of just drawns itself out. It's supposed to be hell in a cell. Like the, the spot where they're both on the side of the cage, and they're fighting over it, and then they both take the bump through the table. Yeah. Like, the first time I saw it, the setup for it was pretty obvious what was going on. The visual of it was pretty cool the first time. After that, I was like, all right, we, we can we can retire this spot. The, the only way that it can be redeeming, in my opinion, is if you have someone who's like everyone knows is crazy, like Shane McMahon, for example. Right. Like that way, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, that, that's something Shane would do. One yeah. of the ongoing jokes for uh, I forget what I think it was like his WrestleMania match with AJ when it was an outdoor match. I remember everyone online is just like, he's going to find a way to get on top of those pillars and do like an elbow drop off of like the middle of the giant screen Tron above the ring. I remember that, that match. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. No, people were like fan booking Shane's death scene (laughs) online. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Well, he's crazy enough to do it. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, so all right. All right. So we're, we're kind of divided on this match. Yeah, I like that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, But I think it's pretty funny that we're all booking it. Yeah, but then Bianca wins later down the road. Um, Or if and and that's the point I was going to make. And and Rob made this point about Liv Morgan about a month or two ago. He said basically Liv Morgan is she she's right now she's on the job interview for Championship Reign number two. Bianca passed the interview. Like, yeah. there's no doubt that whenever Bianca loses that championship, there will be a number three. Now, whether it's another Raw championship or another SmackDown championship is TBD, but she passed the interview. So there, yeah. there's no worry that, okay, she's going to lose, and she may not gain it back right away, but eventually there will be a number three for Bianca Belair. Yeah, yeah now, I will say one thing that is, uh, at some point, she needs to get a longer I mean, like I'm talking oh, about yeah. like eight or nine months, you know, something like that. No, I, well, I don't disagree because, I mean, she's at least right now, she's set up to be a mate, the, the girl for as long as she'll stay around. Um, so, yeah, she'll get there eventually. But unfortunately, this I, I, I 
Okay, I understand your trepidation, but um, um, yeah, in my... you know the 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 you know the the lady, you know, Mercedes, Nardo, um, mm. you know, we kept saying that she was going to get a longer title reign sooner or well, eventually. Be too popular, they they won't, you know, they'll, they'll get it to her eventually. Well, that's true. So, in any case. If the, that that title reign happens down the road, which I think it will, um, I think this one is just being cut short again due to circumstance that you know Bailey's back with damage control, which might not have happened, you know, under the regime of four months, five months ago. So there's a lot of seismic kind of ripples here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, we kind of need the we kind of need a big bad stable on a show for once. I mean, we got some on the SmackDown side, but maybe a little on the Raw side. Well, and that's the other, that was the other point I was going to make. We can't do to this faction what they did to Judgment Day. Now, they're starting to turn the corner with Judgment Day, but listen to the discussion we were having on this very show a month, two months ago about Judgment Day. Do we want to be having that discussion about damage control? And I feel like if they don't win a big one, we're going to be having that discussion. Yeah. Now, I guess, I guess, I guess the reason I'm kind of feeling this way about this, because, you know, there's been some, you know, there's some people talking on Twitter as if this is like a must thing. And, and also, there are some people, at least, that, who are ready to move on from Bianca as champion. And my thing is, Okay, is this? I mean, is this going to happen every time? And if at some point she has to, you know, if she wins it back, then are you are you guys going to be ready to move on two or three months later again so somebody else can get a turn? And then, oh, um, is this going to keep happening? Is this are y'all going to keep doing this way? Um, the answer to that question is yes, Rob. This is what the IWC does. It's which, true, but also I think there's some. I mean. Indie darlings on are attached to this on the other side, which is you know Dakota Bailey and EO. So that I think is weighing in on the it's oh fuel, it's yeah. fueling some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh well, Bianca's had it long enough, and she can you know well win it back you know in whatever. She However, didn't. She ever. She wasn't the five year old that dreamt her whole life of doing this. Right, but I think uh, also I mean. Yeah, personally, I don't want her to turn into the person who we're just going to do the, the chase story and then she wins it and then that's all we got to do. I don't want her to turn into that. She could potentially be the top woman in the whole company. If that's the case, then she can't be that. Okay, at some point you have to put it on her and it has to stay on her for a while. Yeah. Okay, um, you can't no, keep doing it. At some point you just have to do that. Um, you know, I mean, you can't, and to me, she's better than the person who chases and then wins it. And then it's like, okay, what do we do? I think she's better than that. I don't want to see her get, I don't want to see her get, you know, railroaded into that position. Right. Um, where every WrestleMania or, you know, or or either every WrestleMania, every SummerSlam, she's overcoming the adversity and, and finally beating the person who beat her. And then a few months later and, you know, to move on i don't want her to fall into that space um and at 
to not let that happen. At some point, you have to you have to just not book her that way. Um, so while I do think Bailey is going to beat her for the title, I just I'm not bored with doing it. You don't think it's going to be Saturday? I no, I think no, I don't think I don't think you should because again, um, you know she ran into Becky first time she ran into Becky. Becky beat her first time she and now first time she runs into Bailey. Well, this isn't the first time she runs into Bailey, but since Bailey comes back, you know first time yeah. and then first time she runs into Bailey, Bailey beats her, and then. You know, then it becomes rinse and repeat. And I mean, when first time she runs into Ripley in the match, gonna do it again. And then, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. at some okay. point you have to you have to <laughs> not book it that way, and you just have to ride it out for a while with that person. Okay, not unfair right. at all. Yeah. All right, Jason, what's up next? I was gonna say, speaking of Judgment Day, uh, we have Edge and Finn Balor in an I Quit match. Uh, obviously, ju- the Judgment Day will be ringside with Damian Priest, Dominic Mysterio, and Rhea Ripley. So, I, I mean, if thankfully I could see Finn win this in a dastardly of dastardly way, um, so Edge wouldn't lose a nickel because I think Finn really needs to win this one. You know, speaking of wins and losses, do matter. Um, Judgment Day has really not been able to win the big one when it comes to these matches. So it's been kind of up and down, up and down, up and down for them. And I think, yeah, you could easily tell a story continuing with Judgment Day with what's going on with Dom and um, Dom and Rhea and all that. But I just don't see what Finn does next. Um, but... I don't know. I feel, I just feel like, yeah, he's got to win this, man. And he could, it could be as dastardly as like, you know, Rhea's got Beth in a guillotine, you know, on the stage, and he makes Ray's Edge say, "I quit." Um, and so obviously, you know, it doesn't make Edge look weak at all. So, um, but yeah. Uh, what about you, DJ? What do you feel about uh, the old Edge versus Finn Balor? Uh, this is a must-win for Finn Balor and Judgment Day. It absolutely has to happen. I know I said that last month. I said, you know, if they don't win this one, break these guys up because the paint is already worn off. Um, I expect a great match, though. I mean, I, I think these guys are really going to tear the house down. Um, but, yeah, this I'm, I'm going with Finn Balor on this one. AJ? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Finn has to win this. All of Judgment Day has to win this. I like the the, the little quip of putting Beth into something. I how how I see this playing, however, for the I Quit match is Edge is gonna maybe not Beth exactly, but Dom actually does the deed and beats the shit out of Ray for once. Like, Rhea, like, hands him a chair. He's already put in, like, the concerto position and everything. And it's just like, all you got to do is quit, Adam. That's all you got to do. And then it was just like, all right, we're going to try to preserve Ray. We're going to make sure that he's fine. All right, I quit. I quit. For the sake of my friend, I quit. And then Dom just finally does it and just cracks him with the concerto. That's how I actually see that going. Nice. Um, and then we can down the line have Ray return in some capacity down the road to WrestleMania. Edge doesn't look weak. I don't even think Edge will look weak even if he lost 
clean because it's Edge. Come on, I don't think he can look bad at all. He's pretty Teflon at this point. Yeah. So, but I agree wholeheartedly. Finn needs to win this. Judgment Day needs to win this. They need to make Dominic look credible because I don't know if anyone else saw that match between him and Edge a couple of Mondays ago. Dom did not look good. (laughs) I, I really wonder what happened there because I remember when Dominic first started teaming with Ray. Um, and it was the same weekend that Pat McAfee had his debut match in NXT. They had the takeover. And I remember Brian Alvarez posted something. He's like, you know, it's something because Pat McAfee showed up and showed out. So everybody was popping for Pat McAfee. And Alvarez said something along the lines of, I don't see, you know, along the lines of, I don't see Dominic topping that or, you know, Dominic's got his work cut out for him. And then the next night, Dominic went up and showed up and showed out. Like, he really put in a good showing that night. So, you know, I quote tweeted Alvarez. I was like, you know, well, he did. And then he seemed to every week get a little better, get a little better. And then he hit the he hit a ceiling. Like, I don't know what happened, but somewhere, whether there was a disconnect, whether he's just peaked as a, as a performer and a character, I, I don't know. Has anybody got any – am I seeing it differently than anybody else? No, I mean uh-uh. – No. Um, Not really. Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, I'm trying to yeah. like him. I, I really, I'm, I'm trying to get into him, and it's just, he lost me somewhere months ago. Yeah, I think, I don't know, I guess, I mean, when he first started, we, I think, and I think we didn't have a bar set anywhere for him. So just whatever he did was, you know, judging too harshly. Um, but I don't know. Like, I think, cause see, to me, I think he needs to just, he needs to change a lot of how he works in the thing. Um, he's too, he's not fast enough to do Ray stuff. And so he looks like slow motion Ray Mysterio in there. And so I, and I think he needs to just work differently. Um, and it just, I don't know. I mean, he's not like, I mean, he's not sloppy and messing up moves or anything. He's just, he's just, to me, he's just very slow. And he's another one of those people that don't, a damn thing he do in there looks like it hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah he's very plodding in the ring. Yeah. And, like, he kind of plods along, and, it, yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, and um, yeah. Now, as far as the match, I think, I think we all agree, look, um, they got to win this because, over the past month, they have actually picked up some momentum, and they actually look like a threat, right? Um, which they did, like, before they, you know, the, before this month, they looked like, well, they were the Imperial Stormtroopers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, where, you know, when it's time to slaughter the village for dramatic effect, they could do that, but then, you know, as soon as, you know, somebody who's an actual character in the movie shows up, they're, you know, they're dead meat. Uh, and that's how they were looking before this month. Um, this month, they've actually, you know, they they it feels like they actually got some kind of heft to them, and they got some momentum going here. And so, because of that, um, if one does not win this match, then we're back to square one. Um, uh, under the Triple H regime, I see that I see it going the, in the favor of Judgment Day, just because there's three of his there's three of his kids right there. That and it, it's and it's like it's very easy. All you gotta do is, you know, threaten Ray or threaten Beth. There's, 
know, there are two people there you can threaten with, you know, attempted murder or something, and <laughs> Edge would just say, okay, I, you know, I quit. Yeah. You know, or, you know, they could get Edge in that position and, you know, Beth throws in the towel for him or something. Or I mean, they're just, you know, there are ways to do it. And whereas if Edge overcomes Damien, Dom, Rhea, and then makes Finn quit, then again, you know, pack it up and send them home. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> pretty much. Because that, that's too much. I mean, you know, it it, it is. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, some, however it happens, they win this. Finn Balor wins this one. Okay. All right. Cool. So last up, we have the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. So we got Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Butch versus Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser, and Giovanni Vici. Um, I look for this to be an absolute – oh, excuse me. It is in a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. So I don't know if that's going to be Tornado-style rules or – That would be my guess is that it's Texas Tornado-style yeah. match. It t- Texas so, Tornado, no disqualification. Yeah. So just pure, utter chaos and violence between these six gentlemen. And as the artist formerly known as Fabian Eichner stands out in these types of matches, man, if you remember some of the stuff he was doing in NXT, that dude is an athlete and I look for him to show up Saturday night. Yeah, this, I think Imperium is going to win this, but I mean, I mean, it could go either way and nobody loses a thing really. Um, Unless, unless Gunther is the one who takes the pin, which you could easily get around. So because he's obviously the Intercontinental Champion. Um, but maybe that's how they get another match out of it. Who knows? But anyway, uh, yeah, that I think Imperium's going to win this one. Um, and then we keep on trucking. DJ, what do you got here? Uh, interesting. That isn't uh, Friday night Sheamus versus Gunther 2? Yes. For the, yeah. for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, I think whatever happens Friday night will dictate what happens on Saturday. If Sheamus walks out a Grand Slam champion, um, then Imperium wins on Saturday night to keep that train going. If Sheamus loses, I look for the Brutes to take it Saturday night. Fair enough. What about you, Rob? Um, Okay, I think the Brutes win regardless because, like, this is the perfect match to give them a win. Um, If Sheamus wins Friday, then they can win this one. They can get a little momentum. And then, you know, if Sheamus wins Friday, I think Gunther wins it back. It was this has been a recurring theme for me to. <laughs> um, but I think what you do, I, I think the Brutes win this one because they lost the six-man match a couple of weeks ago. Um, they lost the tag team title match they got because Imperium interfered. They lost last night to Pretty Deadly because Imperium interfered. Um. I think you give them a couple of wins. Whatever happens with Sheamus and Gunther Friday, I don't think Gunther pins Sheamus on Friday. I think either Sheamus pulls it out or there's some type of DQ, whatever. Um, but I think the Brutes win here because I think this is a perfect spot to give them a win without derailing anything. There you go. All right. AJ? Uh, for the Friday, I think that there's going to be some disqualification shenanigans and leads into like a preview of the Donnybrook match of the six of them just all beating the high holy heaven out of each other. 
<clears throat> as for the actual pay-per-view match, I, I have to say the Brutes have to win this. If because they like doing that disqualification crap before a pay-per-view a lot of the time. And the Brutes get the justice that they get. Maybe Sheamus pins Ludwig or Giovanni, because I don't think Gunther will take it. I don't think he's going to eat the pin, but this will lead into Sheamus versus Gunther Tree. Zwei, if you want, if, since they're German. But, uh, and then that's when Sheamus gets it, and then you're going to have maybe another month or two program of that. But I, I, I don't see the Brutes losing on Saturday. Friday, like I said, shenanigans. Saturday, Sheamus beats the crap out of the cronies. Gunter gets a little irritated. Gonna chop whoever took the pin down, because we saw that with Kaiser. Yep few weeks ago and so and uh, i think it was uh, shinsuke that got the intercontinental match for that one yeah but i see gunter getting a little mad it was like what are you guys here for you know what you have to do take a chop maybe there's another match down the line on another smackdown the other one loses take a chop and then i see (laughs) three funny story about that that chop thing with uh ludwig my daughter and I were at SmackDown at the Amway Center a couple months back, and on the, the uh, Jumbotron, they had that that video where he's chopping him. And it wasn't one where he just chopped him once. He chopped him like – he chopped him, he sold, he made him stand back up. He chopped him again, he sold a little more. He brought him back up one more time, hit him with a third one, and he finally bumped to the floor. My daughter – I'm there with my daughter. You know, she's 17, and she still watches this through those, those kids' eyes. And she looked at me, she's like, Dad, he's really abusive. <laughs> I, just, I was like, that's why you watch, pal. That's yep. it, man. That's awesome. All right. All right so one thing I was going to say about the way WWE does its go home shows, and this is something, and as we transition into the final segment, something that I hope we see in the in the Triple H era. WWE had this thing on the go home show. Whoever was standing tall at the end of the show or the end of if they're in a major feud with somebody, if they were the ones standing tall on that particular episode, you knew they were losing Saturday or Sunday night. And I used to get so irritated with that trope that saying, okay, we're getting into the thing. And at the end of the whole thing, this one's down like, yep, they're losing on Sunday night. It just it just kind of took you out of the whole thing. So I'm hoping that's something they do away with. Anybody else notice that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that yeah, that's always been the ongoing joke. Oh, the 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 person who's going for the championship's gonna is just one. You're not winning the championship this yep. weekend. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, all right. So as we transfer, as we transition to that, is a horrible segue on my part. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit of Triple H tonight. Uh, you know, I'm sporting the Triple H merch. Uh, July 22nd, uh, 2022, Vince McMahon announced that he was retiring. Three days later on Monday, they announced Triple H as head of creative. You know, obviously, Stephanie McMahon took over, you know, operation management of the company. Triple H took over creative. Uh, He now is coming up on his second pay-per-view. We just talked Extreme Rules. This will be his second official pay-per-view under his belt. And I thought we'd go around the room a little bit tonight and just kind of do a, a little bit of a report card on triple h and uh, we're going to start with our guest aj uh what do you think are you liking it are you seeing big changes do you think it's been a, a gradual transition uh, i think he's doing a 
damn good job. If the lowest grade I could probably give, if I'm going to be early on this, is probably an A minus. Is if that is the lowest I'll give, I'll even give him an A on this because he's brought back a lot of different people that looked like they didn't want to. Apparently, he's been talking to people who left it uh, to go to AEW that are showing some interest and whatnot. Apparently, uh, if you believe the rumor mill, Bobby Fish was a little bit of like a whisper in everyone's ear, like, hey, hey, Hunter's in charge. Do we do we want to go back? Yeah. Apparently, he's running the show. So we got Karrion Cross back after he did a little stint in MLW. We got Gargano and Candice back. We got Chompa up there. We got a bunch of different people showing that, you know, like, hey, yeah, we're we're back. We're here to stay. We're here to do stuff. Damage control also part of that as well. So he's doing a really damn good job in all honesty. Uh, the only thing is if he can – what will give him flying colors is if he can actually make Judgment Day credible. Because like we said when we were doing the card, they need this win at the pay-per-view – if you can make Judgment Day look better and better and actually like that, not trying to make a joke here, what I'm saying this, but like the demonic threat over on Raw and actually show like, hey, we can do this. We got this. We can beat the ever living hell out of anybody. And that I would say is you, you pass with a 4.0 GPA if you can make those guys look good again. Okay. What do you think about the feel and the flow of the shows? Because I know that was often a, a, a criticism of Vince McMahon. The shows felt like a disheveled mess. It felt like, and, and, and in some cases it was true, they literally put it together right before they went live on air. Do you feel like the shows flow a little bit more? Is there more continuity? Oh, there's a lot more continuity. I think that also has to deal with what I said before with they have more people coming in. You have more people coming in. You have more people to fill in that time slot. You have more time to do a bunch of different things, different segments that work, that don't feel like they're just thrown in. And then you have like someone get pied in the face or a, a poop joke here or there thrown in every other hour. It it feels like it flows like a show. It's telling all these multiple stories, Miz and Loomis, Damage Control taking over Raw. You might even get the bloodline here or there. It, like it's throwing every single aspect of a show on raw in smackdown smackdown's always been the premier show and it just seems like it's getting better because they're making not only you know roman still look like that credible like like godfather almost type of mm -hmm. figure they're making gunther a really credible champion beating up all these guys that are amazing talents i think Hell, even uh, the good old everyone's favorite uncle of professional wrestling even gave that match a five-star match between him and Sheamus. Yeah. And usually Sheamus is the guy that everyone jokes and, and like, completely craps over. One day we're going to have a discussion about Sheamus because I know Rob, I can speak for myself and Rob, huge Sheamus fans here. If there's somebody that I would say that the, the internet wrestling community has highly underappreciated, it is Sheamus. W. All right. Rob, what are your thoughts? What, what kind of grade are you giving Triple H at the two-month mark? Um, okay, so there's certain there's some things I think he's doing well with. Because, um, like, over the last year, in particular, I, you know, Vince, he, you know, he was, he let a lot of the middle and underneath stuff go, it seems. 
Um, you know, now, you know, now he nailed the the big important matches and angles and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, just a lot of the, the middle and underneath stuff seemed to not just didn't get the same type of emphasis. Um, but so I think Hunter's done better with that for sure. Now, you know, I think the, the bringing people back so far has been good. He's found something for just about every. He found something for all of them to do. And it, that was a big concern when he first started bringing all these people back. That you know, okay, we are found something for all these people to do. So far, the answer is yes. Now, where I'm kind of iffy on him, the the time management thing we talked about that is still, um, well, Monday nights in particular still, um. Because, I mean, they're doing almost every match. Most of the matches go longer now. And in some ways, that's a good thing. Because, you know, the kind of two-minute or branding kind of matches didn't really help anybody. Uh, but there are some weeks where you know, they're going 15-minute match, match, 15-minute. And then by the third 15-minute match, um, so I think, I mean, that's where, you know, I think if there's some space to improve, it's in finding the kind of the right mix of longer matches and shorter matches so that not sitting through long segment after segment after segment piling up on you. Um, other than that, I mean, but for the most part, I, mean, I would give him an A minus. Again, uh, the, the time management thing. Um, and now, one thing I will say, as far as you know, the top part of the card, you know, bloodline. Um, he was. I think, look, he was handed, that's that's going cruise control. I mean, he was handed that. He hasn't really had to do anything there. So I think from that from that standpoint, he's, I say he lucked out because he doesn't have to fix the top angle in the company. He doesn't have to fix the top of the card in the company. You, know, you can just keep plugging along with that, and that gives you the opportunity to look at other things, you know, to look at the Intercontinental title and the U.S. title and the tag team stuff, right? You you can concentrate on those things since the top of the card is pretty much straight. And it's, I mean, looking, I know Vince left in July, but I mean, we know that SummerSlam was his baby, the main event was. Uh, we know that the Castle thing had already been set up. And the Crown Jewel thing with Logan Paul, I mean, that was already in the work, obviously. So from that standpoint, you know, there's still a little Vince going on here at the top of the card. So we won't, I mean, once that, you know, once they get into next year and now he's actually having to handle every, that part of the card also, you know, then that'll be kind of another test for him, I think. But I'll give him A-. Real quick before I get to Jason, Rob, that's an interesting point you bring up. And our friend Atlanta Dave 
brought that up months ago is, and this isn't even a, a judge on Triple H, but he will be judged by this, is Roman's entire run will be determined by how they stick the landing. And now Triple H is in charge of sticking that landing. And so, yeah, this is, it'll be trial by fire for him because that's a, that's a big one to screw up if you screw it up. And then also, I mean, like for all of our, the rightful criticisms about how Vince was handling the mid and the lower card, ultimately, I mean, the top of the card is what drives the train. And yeah, so mm-hmm. you can, I mean, you can handle because look, I mean, one of the things that made things go south with WCW was that I mean they were doing all that great stuff in the mid card and other stuff, but you know the the top of the card kind of started to stink. It was a wreck. Yeah. So, you can do all yep. this other stuff, and it can be really good, and everybody can really like it. But ultimately, you got to nail the top of the card. And so, mm. you know, the last year or so, I think Vince was focused on that, I guess, almost to a fault. But at the same time, it didn't affect the bottom line in any kind of way. Yeah. Or not yeah. negatively, anyway. So we'll see. And um, how, again, how they go about sticking that landing, because. You have to decide what pathway you're going to take, and I think a lot of it it depends on going plans to do after losing. Plans to take a break for a while or stick around, because you got. I mean, you got to write that entirely different depending on what he's going. Um, he's going to take a break for a while, then have the big climactic, you know, defeat for him. But if he's if he's not taking a break. Then you got to do kind of, I think you got to do like they used to do with Ric Flair, where write the story about him losing the title and winning it back, and then he wins back a few months later. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. Uh, but that's, you know, that's going to be the big question, you know, yeah. ultimately. All right. Jason, where are you at with Triple H? What, what grade are you giving him at the two month mark, Bubble? I'll give him a B plus plus. I don't know, okay. A minus, whatever. Um, I agree with pretty much everything everybody said, uh, the time management thing specifically, because yeah, once in a while I do appreciate the longer matches because it's usually people I like, but at the same time, you do have so many good programs going on right now that there are a lot of matches. Yeah, you could, this 15 minute match could have been 10, you know, that you could shave a little bit off the top. And do um, do your uh, character work a little bit better of a service. But other than that, you know, obviously yeah, he's brought back a lot of people we like. Um, and the big thing, they've changed a lot of how, how they do, like, like, for instance, all the things you saw in the background before we knew that Dexter Loomis was actually there. And the things that had to be, like, pointed out on Twitter or, like, oh, did everybody see that car crashed? And, you know, now they're doing things with the the White Rabbit with uh, the Corey Graves had the QR code on the back of his clipboard. Um, oh, and the way they're doing some camera cuts were how they'll cut right from um, a backstage interview and then go immediately to Gorilla uh, and in a way that they didn't used to before to show that everything is – Yes, these people are all interconnected. Um, that those that's been the biggest thing that I've noticed um, that is that he's that the whole cinematography of the show has changed. 
um, for the better. So, yeah, so far so good. Um, he hasn't screwed up Roman yet, so um, he's still chugging along. So, yeah, B plus, A minus. All right. I think I'd give him an A, maybe an A minus just for, you know, again, Rob's Rob's point of, you know, time management is is, is spot on. And also, you know, we're bringing back all these people, but as we've talked about at great length on this show, eventually somebody's got to sit down. And we're still talking about more people coming in. They're teasing what could eventually be Bray Wyatt. Triple H right now, where I give him a lot of credit, he's got a lot of really good plates spinning, spinning in the air, and he's handling them all fairly well right now. Between, you know, trying to turn the corner with Judgment Day, between what's going on with damage control, with the Dexter Loomis and the Miz, you've got the Roman Reigns thing going on, you've got the uh, the Brawling Brutes, and the, there's so much good stuff right now and there, there's more to be excited about than there has been in a while and you know you got to give them credit for some of that but again to rob's point some of these little things that are moving were moving parts when vince mcmahon was still in charge so it's hard to give triple h all the credit i will say he's taken that ball and run with it very well um it was definitely a, 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 he handed a, he was handed a fresh football and, and has run very well with it but it's for me personally, I'm digging the little Easter eggs, all the little nuggets and things that you're seeing in the background that, again, like I said, you don't catch it the first time. And somebody's on Twitter. Hey, did you see Nikki taking off her mask in the background and throwing it at, you know, Dewdrop? Um, so these little things. And then, of course, they follow up with that with Nikki sitting in the ring with the mask off. And she's obviously frustrated, obviously upset. So the little things are cohesively connecting to the bigger things so that's that's been pretty cool to watch that unfold and that was something you know that i think was lacking under vince mcmahon was that vince mcmahon sometimes would just throw a hodgepodge of stuff out there and something a lot of times the hodgepodge was good enough but it didn't always make a whole lot of sense in how it connected to each other it's like vince was running several linear and non-linear stories whereas triple h is trying to bring the entire wwe universe together in a way that we haven't seen. And I think that's pretty freaking cool. And then, uh, because the other thing is, um, I was one day, got to see our truth. Yeah. 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 We, we need, we need our truth a little bit here and there. And, yep. and that would, that would help with the time management thing because that's, that's a perfect thing to break up the, you know, pieces in between right um so that i mean because i think we haven't seen they, he hasn't done any 24 7 stuff on tv at all um, yeah I was gonna say, there has been any 24 7 i can't even remember who the world they're not is, world dana, Bro- is dana brooks still the 24 7 champ I, I think so. to the interwebs yeah um i do so they're doing i mean i know they do some stuff with house shows with the seven yeah uh, right now, I think that thing is hanging out with Zack Ryder's internet championship. Yeah, but, and I think you need, uh, but it's needed, right? I mean, like, people hated it when it first announced. It became, you know, a fun, entertaining part of the show. Um, it gives Dana Brooke and Tamina, you know, and Tozawa and people like that something to do other than to go out there and just get by uh, whoever's getting, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. You know, I think somebody like this, I was better served doing that than he would be getting murdered by Bobby Lashley in two minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, um, 
And same thing with Dana and Tamina. They, you, you give them something worthwhile to do on TV other than uh, getting beat, you know, in two minutes by Candice LeRae or Bianca or whoever. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think you need to bring that back, Hunter. Yeah. It, 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 it is Dana Brooke who is the current champion at the moment. Okay, that's what I thought. I just I couldn't remember. Like I said, it's been that thing's been MIA now for months. Yeah, last time we saw it was well that we saw it on TV was uh middle of July. So wow, that was yeah. right before Vince called it quits. And I mean, because look, this is the most entertaining stuff Dana and Tamina have had to do in years, and they were doing a really good job with it this year. And I'm sorry, people can bitch and complain about the 24/7 championship all they want. It still gave us one of the greatest moments in the history of sports entertainment, and that's Jinder Mahal showing up at a golf course in full wrestling gear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I will never not pop for that visual. <laughs> Ridiculous, mother. Yeah. I mean, um, so Drake, Drake Maverick getting rolled up at his wedding. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Come on. If you didn't at least smile when you watch that, you and I watch wrestling fundamentally differently. Drake Maverick. Our truth and Jinder Mahal, the three of those guys just um, made they put uh, that title over. They really did. I was about to say mine is that I the one that I remember was uh back when he was still Riddick Moss instead of Madcap Moss. He's going out for a jog and you just have our truth following him in a <laughs> truck or like a car with the referee in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there one where our truth pinned Jinder Mahal on the plane? Ginger again yeah, in full wrestling got on the gear plane. Yeah, is was... napping on the plane, yes, the and plane Truth just kind of lays over. <laughs> God. Yes, no, that that is definitely so much because it breaks up the rest of the stuff, and and that's that's something that you know definitely Triple H could still be doing. So, anybody got anything else before we uh, before we go home here? Um. Oh, we uh, we have the the uh, X celebration Monday. Yeah, we do. Man, oh, this, yeah, yeah, that's coming Monday. Monday. Poor yeah. Billy Gunn. Poor Billy Gunn. That sucks. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's well, he he's doing okay over there. Yeah, hey, Billy Gunn's not. He looks at his bank account, and Billy Gunn ain't saying poor Billy Gunn. No, and right like, now. that man looks like he can still go, man. Billy Gunn can still go. That dude's yeah. a boss. Yeah. He, he still wrestles on AEW. Yeah, he still goes. All right. Well, why don't we why don't we call the go home there? Let's let's wrap back around the room first. I am going to thank our guest tonight, the phenomenal AJ Belaz, again, part of the Chair Shot Radio Network and the DWI podcast, as well as AJ, promote your shit, pal. Well, uh, thank you for letting me be on here after I, I actually graciously asked. I didn't I wasn't kicking down doors like the usual people on the chair shot <clears throat> there, there's a little shoot right there oh no, no I'm kidding. <laughs> oh we're gonna get we're gonna get some heat going here <laughs> no i'm kidding but uh you can follow me at phenomenal ajb ajb and all caps on twitter you can follow me on the dwi podcast podcast dwi also on twitter we are doing the top 100 wrestlers of the wrestlemania era so 1985 all the way to now 
And we're not just doing WWE. We're doing all around the world. We are going to do 61 through 70. You can catch that on Saturdays as well as anywhere else on any platform for podcasting. There you go. All right. And from the Rob the Genius podcast, the Minister of Truth, the Father of Facts and Figures, the Deacon of Data, Mr. Rob, sir, thank you again for another good show. Thank you. Always a pleasure. And and I will make make the appeal. Please. Come back. Oh, there it was. There it is. He snuck it in. He snuck it into the 2.999 count. All right. And fresh off vacation, Bucky's tag team partner, Jason. Fun show, Bubba. This is great. All right. And as always, I am your host, the man with the award-winning beard. You've been listening to the Mindless Wrestling Podcast, part of the ChairShot Radio Network. You can find us as well as all the other great podcasts on thechairshot.com. Remember, you can call it pro wrestling. You can call it sports entertainment. You can call it whatever you want, but call it in the ring. And we're out till next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.